Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm Gage Jordan, lead pastor of First Pres Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, good to be back with you today and our listeners here. Um, taking a break this morning from our uh, our series in Jesus in the Old Testament uh, we're going to be picking that back up again uh, in the uh, soon uh, to, with part two, maybe part three in the Psalms. But we decided that we would jump on the bandwagon that is uh, everybody is talking about, and that is what do we think about the what is being called the Asbury revival? So we, uh, if you are a listener of Christian podcasts and uh, read reader of Christian blogs and a watcher of Christian YouTube videos, then you have you've heard lots of people give their two cents worth on it. Um, and we want to just talk about this from a reform perspective and kind of what our tradition, uh, what we think about things like this. But before we do that, I want to remind our listeners that we're part of the Society of Reformed Podcasts. Gage, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a network of uh, reformed uh, brothers uh, that have a series of podcasts that kind of cover the gamut of anything uh, reformed theology. I mean, you've got the Reformed Brotherhood, you've got a podcast about church planning, you've got got uh, Distilling Theology, uh, love those guys. We, we've got several. You can really see the whole whole series of um, shows by going to Reform Podcasts, with an S, reformpodcasts.com, uh, or also anywhere you listen to your uh, podcast, if you just want to look at uh, Reform, uh, the Society of Reform Podcasts, uh, that is the mega feed, and all of our episodes are all there together as well. Um, and check those guys out. It, it they cover a, really a wide variety of things. Great discussions. Uh, any anything from talking about things like Asbury to uh, talk, going through Reformed confessions and creeds to Bible studies, sermons uh, to wrestling with big uh, theological topics and and recommending your favorite beverage. I mean, there there's all sorts of things for you to check out. We love those guys. Uh, be sure and give them some love. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, uh, Gage, it, it happened uh, about a, a week and a half ago. Is that is that what the the date on when the Asbury uh, Chapel service ran long? And before we before we go in and unpack a little bit about what's going on, and there's a number of people who have who have given their two cents worth. That's right. The first thing we want to say, and this may seem a little bit like we are speaking out of both sides of our mouth, is um, there's a tendency in our social media age to give a hot take that is a snap answer. That's right. Up or down. We see this on Twitter. Something happens in the news, um, and everybody in the Twitter sphere 
gives a judgment call on what they think about that right away. And in fact, if you don't, you often are thought of, you know, um, cowardice or foolishness if you don't offer your hot take, um, either full-throated support or full-throated criticism right away. But the truth is, there's no need for that. We don't actually have to define this and say, we know with absolute certainty, without a shadow of a doubt, that this is either A, a, a miraculous, amazing, uh, unprecedented, or, or, or precedented move of the Holy Spirit in a significant way that's going to change the culture of our country or we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is a sham and it's illegitimate and it's emotionalism. We don't actually have to put a category on it right now. And, and I don't know why we think we do need to. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of things here. I think about uh, Michael Kruger had an article that come out a couple of years ago, uh, specifically for ministers that said, hey, pastor, you don't have to have an opinion on everything, essentially was the the gist of the article. Um, we can post that in the show notes, but I mean, essentially, uh, Michael's point and Michael Kruger's a professor at, at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson and have written several books, has, has a website called Cannon Fodder. Great, great, um, thinker and, and minister. And, and there, there is a pressure, especially with ministers. There's, there's a pressure to feel like we need to have, a voice on everything that goes on. We need to be an expert in everything. We've talked about this before when it comes to preaching, right? We need to we need to know the gamut from our opinion on vaccines to foreign policy to the stock market to five constitutional ways to, law. That's right. Five ways to be a better uh, husband to the latest keto diet. Like what, whatever, whatever the case may be, we have to be experts on that. So, so, so especially in you know in in our field, Scott, in in our world. It can feel that way where, where, and I was even, honestly, that's probably why I, I drug my feet a little bit, even to say anything about Asbury, mm-hmm. because I was like, man, I don't know that my opinion is needed, right. but the longer that this has gone on, there is a part of me, if I'm honest, that is like, well, but I don't love the direction that the, that the analysis is going either. Right. That, mm-hmm. that I, that I see other, other Christians ju- just jumping on there. And there's also the, the uh, culture we exist in. We're facing the effects of, of two things. One, and we've talked about this with social media before we exist in a world right now where what I think, what I feel, what I eat, <laughs> what I wear has to be told to the world all the time. Right. So there's that that reality of anybody, layperson, minister alike. There's also the culture we exist in right now to where if I don't blank check, co-sign, blank approve everything you do, everything you think, everything you say, everything you feel without any reservation or without any footnotes or disclaimers, why are you so critical, Scott? Why do you why do you hate me so right. much? Why 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 are you trying trying to to tear down what the Lord's doing? You know, and that and that seems to be the tone with anybody that that even with Asbury here to use this the the topic we're discussing. If if we share criticism and we're going to, you know, spoiler alert, if we share any sort of like, man, I don't know, 
we're Pharisees, we're legalists. This is why Christians can't have nice things. And that's a byproduct of the culture we currently exist in where I need to, you know, it's the participation trophy of the world, right? Like I I need to, I need to um, love everything you do no matter what. And that's exactly the waters that we're swimming in. So it may, it doesn't surprise me at all that now when we talk about Asbury, there's not really room for us to go, well, I mean, I just got some concerns without like attack. Right. Right. Yeah. We, uh, the, 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 the Christians who are saying, hey, I've got some biblical concerns, I've got some biblical cautions, are rather than being set, being told, hey, that's great, you're, you're being a Berean, you're testing the spirits. Rather than that, they're being, they're being told, you've got a critical spirit, and you and so this is this is the the problem with so many things in how we talk about so many things. And of course, you're right. It's exactly why would we expect that the the discussion around this wouldn't be exactly like the discussion around foreign policy and the war in Ukraine and the vaccine and everything else? Is that either either you you've got to land in one of two binary camps of full-throated approval or full-throated dismissal and critique and if you fail to then and 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 what and so therefore we're going to whatever you say we're going to put it in one of those two things and it's it's what it's a false dichotomy that's it you're you you stole the words right out of my mouth absolutely um it's it's what logic calls the false dichotomy fallacy right we were talking about this leading up to the show um that it has to be this or this you have to be this or this you have to land on this this or this and that's the world we exist in right you have to be a republican or a democrat you have to be pro vaccine or no vaccines at all you have to be for public school or you hate your children (laughs) like i mean so so of course the same thing with with um with that but we actually have biblical um, basis for our concern, right, Scott? Like we Correct. we have First John chapter four. John um, is is wrestling with some things in the church, and he says, "Beloved, this is verse one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, but you know that. But by this, you know." The spirit of God, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So that actually goes against, you know, maybe some things we grew up hearing about this, this one angry man called the Antichrist that's going to start the new world order or whatever. Right. But the one of the things that's important here is what John says. Hey, when you see something, you hear something, you hear a guy get up and preach, you hear that this is a movement of God, this thing is happening, test it. Like, okay, what do we, where have we seen actual revival happen before? Where have we seen the movement of the spirit? What are the fruits of that, that work? How can we compare that to what's going on now? And how can we actually test it? That goes completely against what we're seeing right now on social media, right? Where if we have any concerns, we're canceled. But, but the reality of the matter 
and, and this kind of gets into the next part of our, our discussion, the reality of the matter is we have some biblical evidence and we have some historical evidence of, of movements of the spirit that we can actually compare this to. Uh, biblically, let's talk about three, right? Um, number one, Josiah, Second Kings 22, this this young child becomes king after his the previous two kings were evil and he's trying to kind of put some things back together trying to kind of clean clean up some things he's cleaning up the temple he's organizing things and his high priest discovers this is how bad things were he discovers this book and like what is this book well it turns out it's the, it's the law <laughs> it's the law of god and from reading the raw, the law of God, Josiah tears his garments. He repents. He leads the entire nation in repentance. Tears down the high places, which is which is Old Testament language for um, all the idols and all all the the altars that were were giving worship to idols. He th- those things those things get tore down, um, and they leads the the country back to God, right? But how does that happen? That starts with the proclamation of the law. It starts with the reading of the word. Same thing happens with Ezra. When Ezra, when they're rebuilding the city and rebuilding the temple in Ezra and Nehemiah, we talked about this previously in our episodes, Ezra stands up for, for hours and reads the law. And the people of God say, all this we will do. And they they tear their garments and they weep. And there's uh, there's ashes and, and repentance, not because of how moving or or how exciting the music was, but by the proclamation of the word. Uh, same thing happens with Jonah, right? And 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 Scott, you preached through Jonah not too long ago at your at your church. Jonah, even even skeptically, doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Why? Because he knows the moment that I'm going to preach. You're going to forgive their sins. And right. They're going to they're going to repent. And and the the irony of ironies and and our buddy uh, Tyler Kenyon pointed this out at last Presbytery is actually the the story of Jonah is is a reflection against Israel and where Israel was at the moment. But like in, in that, what happens? Jonah goes. Jonah preaches, and then Nineveh comes and repents and turns to the Lord. So we have biblical basis in three different occasions here for quote unquote revival, if we want to call it that, happening um, in a, a nation. And all three times, it starts with the proclamation of the word. Now, here's the thing. Again, I, I want I don't want to be overly critical. I haven't I haven't been to Asbury yet. Some people have made the trek. I haven't been to Asbury yet. This may be happening, and uh, yeah, feel free to email us at, a, at contact at assuranceofpardon.com and tell us about it, or hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or the website. I've seen one video of one sermon at the beginning of all this, the chapel message. Yes. And I've seen more than I can count videos of mu- of music and singing. Which is great. Prayer and music and singing is great. But I've seen one one sermon. So. Well, 
and and we're gonna we're gonna reference in the show notes a number of other uh, content creators who we trust who have said some helpful things. And uh, the first one I want to mention is Alyssa Childers, who uh, who did go there and and That's visited right. it and was there and found it to be just a a, a sweet uh, a time of some students who were who were singing and praising. Um, but the the caution that she had that I thought was very helpful, and this is from someone who who we trust who went there was quit thinking that this is a and this is her term a holy spirit hot spot right i, I love that language because we all know what a, a hot spot is in, in the wi-fi world is i've got to if i want to pick up this wi-fi signal i've got to get close to it so that i can get it uh because there's something happening over there that i can't get where i currently am and so That's right. the first thing, and so you're hearing an enormous amount of that is come here and get the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is here and, and you need to get there because you can't get the Holy Spirit in this measure, in this way, unless you get in your car and you drive to this little town in Kentucky. Um, that, that's very, very problematic um uh, when we and we're going to talk about what we understand happens every single sunday when god's people gather for corporate worship and the ordinary means of grace but you're hearing two things spoken of over and over again that should uh cause us a little bit of concern one is the idea that this is a holy spirit hotspot come here and get it and then the yep. second one is come here and and receive it and then take that fire back to where you are and right. bring it there. Um, yes. what, what's wrong with that, Gage? Yeah, and, and I've seen this in in my in my town, right? I've seen it. I've seen ministers in our in my town brag about I drove up there, I drove this many hours, and I went up there, and I've seen this thing, and 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 I mean, thousands of com uh, comments on this one guy's post um, about bring it back with you, Pastor. Oh, you should have taken su such and such that's disabled with you. you know, like, like, you know, and, and it's uh, the problem with that is that's not the way the spirit works, right? The the spirit, uh, it, this isn't Star Wars and Jesus isn't the force, right? The spirit isn't the force. You're not a Jedi. <laughs> this is not Star Wars. That, right. That's that's the it's first. Not a, it's not a, a virus. That's um, right. Right. That's right. Um, and that that's not the way this works at at, at all. Um, again, I will take you back to another biblical example. Let's look at Pentecost. Right, this extraordinary, exceptional time in the life of the of, of the church, the history of redemption. What, how does it start? They pray. Jesus had already promised them upon his ascension that he would deliver the Holy Spirit to them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And then the, what's the first thing that happens? Peter stands up and preaches Christ. <laughs> and, and then and then 3,000 men and their families come to faith and the church explodes. And then what do they do? They go back to the to local assemblies, mm -hmm. devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine, which is the Old Testament at the time, to the prayers, to breaking of bread, that's communion. That's right. And the and the fellowship. Right. Guess what? Guess where that happens? Every single week in your local churches, we hope that that is our biggest caution. Our biggest caution is not is not to say 
look away. There's nothing going on over there. Don't go there. That's not our caution. That's right. Our caution That's is right. not to put a label on it and put a stamp on it that this is bad. Our caution is to think that this is not something that's happening in very ordinary ways. Our, our, our mutual friend, Adriel Sanchez, over at Core Christianity, has a great video. We'll, link, we'll share a link to as well talking Absolutely. about it. And that is Gage at, at First Presbyterian Church in Dyersburg yesterday. We're recording this on February 20th. And at uh, Hope Presbyterian in Hot Springs, Arkansas yesterday, we gave a call to worship. We gathered the saints in. They They were the, the the elders of this church published the call to worship. They they were uh, uh, assembled. They sang hymns of praise. They heard God's word read over and over again through it. They sat for the teaching of the the word of God from the scripture. Uh, we we uh, received new members into our fellowship yesterday. We baptized a baby yesterday and a and a young child yesterday, um, and. And we we ate the we ate the Lord's broken body and shed blood um, for the forgiveness of sins, and the Spirit was moving throughout all of that. The Spirit the would have been moving had we not received a new member. The Spirit would have been moving. The Spirit That's would right. have been moving if it had been fifty people instead of a hundred people. The Spirit would have been moving. Um, and that's the error and the fallacy in thinking that this is some sort of thing I got to go and get and bring back to my yes. town. God is at work in the pulpits of local churches every single Sunday all over this globe every single week. Yeah, that's what makes us different than um, than our Muslim friends, right? Mm-hmm. We don't we don't have a Mecca. That, that we're making a pilgrimage to that's right. a that's a part of our our journey as Christians we actually have God speaking to us every single week in 66 books of the Old Testament and New Testament and in that that is the holy inspired and authoritative word and in that word, in Romans 10, it says, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Now, is that to say that the Spirit's not in music and prayer at all? Absolutely not. You know, we are commanded in this same text to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? But that is that is in accompaniment to the proclamation of the word because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. It doesn't come from 57 courses and, and pre-courses um, or from deliverances or whatever the, the case may be. But, but you know, the reality of the matter is, if, I'll give you a, a practical example. Asbury is also, if I understand, understand the, the history, it was where the Jesus movement, uh, part of the Jesus movement started. Um, and I had a ruling elder back in Arkansas, Rob Holden, who became a Christian during that time in the in the 70s, right? He grew up in Philly, but he he can vividly remember going down to Dallas when when all the all the hippies gathered <laughs> and listened to Billy Graham, right? And in that, that extraordinary time. But you know what what Rob will also tell you? I then I then grew in my faith. I I joined a local church. I was discipled. Th- these are the conversations that Rob Holden could have with me when we were in a trailer park 
doing ministry in a house church before I became a Presbyterian and Rob Holden sitting me down at, at Stobie's in Conway, Arkansas and saying, hey, hey, help me understand here. What's so magical of you uh, about you having to go to this geographical location? Why can't you be a part of the local church two blocks down the road and just love that neighborhood? Like, is that is that a possibility? Right. But it's where we are currently in this time of evangelicalism broadly. Right. We are ch- we are chasing the experience. That's right. That's and right. It, uh, go ahead. Scott. Yeah. Go. Our good friend, <clears throat> our good friend, uh, Nathan Inman, uh, who's a, a bright young seminary student um, through our Lamp Seminary. Um, has said recently, and I want to quote him, if the fruit of Asbury is not higher church membership, then it is not a revival. God doesn't save people and leave them afterwards. He doesn't baptize people into the invisible church. The fruits of real revival, and we ought to pray for one, will be seen in the local church. That's right. So so something that, as we talked about them chasing the experience, this is what I experience every week as a pastor in, in my town, right? I, I will have people that will visit my church and they'll say, man, we had a great, great experience. Your people were so kind, so loving, so welcoming. We enjoyed the service. Um, we appreciated the sermon. We were thankful to take communion. And then I won't see them. They'll show up for a week and they'll leave. And, and I'll, I'll say, Oh, well, hey, did something did something happen? Is there a disagreement? Is there is there a the- theological difference that we could talk through? Like, I'll go have coffee with them and sit down with them, and they'll say things like, well, "I hear you. We just we just weren't feeling it." And I'll say, I, I, "I'm sorry, you weren't weren't feeling it. Help me understand." And they'll say, "Well, you know, we just weren't we weren't feel feeling the spirit. We weren't feeling it." And and my pushback is always the same. So I hear you. But what happens when you wake up on a Sunday morning and you're getting ready to go to church and you're trying to figure out what church you're going to go to and you're just not feeling it? What what happens? I said, I can tell you what probably happens. You, you don't go, right? You stay at home. You maybe watch a sermon on a on a live stream if you do that. You just don't go because you weren't feeling it. And then before you know it, you don't go for six months because you weren't feeling it. And then you just you're just not going. Um, and, and the reality of the matter is there's going to be some weeks you don't feel it. I mean, there's Scott, we're leading this thing and there's weeks we show up at church. If we can be sure. if we can be transparent where we're not feeling it. You yeah. know what? Because it's not predicated on my feelings. My feelings are not ultimate. My feelings can lie to me and my feelings can change. I can have feelings about one thing or about a certain person, and then my feelings can change later on down the road. I mean, how many times have you been in marriage counseling and heard a story of a couple about how they got together, and you'll hear this story? The wife will say, honestly, the first time I met him, I couldn't stand him. <laughs> like, you know, and then they, now they're they're married for, for 20 years or whatever, right? Um, our, our feelings are not ultimate, but our feelings right now are driving the church. There's got to be an experience. The right light, the right mood, the right music, the right TED Talk type message, the right ambiance, and and to quote you know uh, an old old school Derek Webb song, we don't need the spirit, we need the kick drum, right? And I say that knowing we have a drum set on our stage, like I'm not anti percussion, but I but I am saying like 
that that's where we are right now is chasing the experience. So it makes total sense then that this extraordinary thing happens that we, we are excited about hopeful for people have been praying for you're, you're hoping for the best. And then we think we got to go chase that experience. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Folks, we're going to list in the, in the show notes a number of uh, links to uh, to some people. I'll go ahead and, and tell you some of the some of the people we've mentioned them already. Um, Adriel Sanchez at Core Christianity. There's a clip uh, of him um, talking about this. Uh, Alyssa Childers, uh, Samuel Say at the Slow to Write blog, which if you're not familiar with his stuff, it's always really really good. Uh, Chris Roseborough, a Lutheran uh, over at Fighting for the Faith, um, has a, a, a helpful video on it. And then uh, Matthew Everhard, a, a minister here in the PCA, who's a Jonathan Edwards scholar. Uh, we're going to link all of those because we want you to we we want you to um, listen to some of some of what other people are saying. What, what to listen to what some of other people are saying, uh, and and hear the cautions. Um, this is we can we can give cautions. We can give concerns without being snarky, and we should. Sure. We can give concerns without saying we hate the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? We we <laughs> we hate we hate the idea of revival. That's we don't right. care, you know. Um, and, and if if your if your skepticism around this is snarky, if um, if it's snarky and smart alecky then you're doing it wrong. That's right. Yeah. And, and I would say this too. Um, another another resource we'll put there is an article on Gospel Coalition by Thomas Kidd. Thomas Kidd is is a church historian at Midwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. Very smart guy. Um, we, we not only have biblical evidence for what we can think about when it comes to re- revival and kind of test the spirits there. Uh, we, I mentioned earlier we have historical evidence, and I and I think it's important that we study history and don't re- repeat it, it where we don't need to, but also repeat it where where we need to. And we actually in our country have a history of revival we can look to. Right there was the first Great Awakening um, in the 1700s during the time of the American Revolution uh, with guys like Jonathan Edwards and David Brainer and George Whitfield and, and the and the like and there's been tons of ink spilled uh, through uh, you, you know reform heritage reformation heritage books uh, and Joel Beakey those guys constantly are, are doing documentaries if if you're not a reader go watch the documentary on revival right um there's uh all sorts of other things uh, that that talk about about revival. There's Banner of Truth has Banner of Truth literally to this day still produces sermons that were written during the first Great Awakening um, that actually uh, were key um, things preached that sparked the God used to spark the revival. We have history uh, like Ian uh, Murray's Revival and Revivalism that I think is a fantastic book that we'll put in the show notes that everybody should read. And and that helps uh, have a good distinction. Revival is a movement of God, right? It, where it, it's coupled by preaching, repentance, and moving of the Spirit. 
and long lasting effect through people coming to Jesus and becoming Christians, right? Then there's revivalism. Because after we had the first great awakening, we had the second great awakening, and some even argue there was a third great great awakening. Uh, by the time they got to the second, there were guys like Charles Finney, uh, who were doing the best they could to try to manufacture the first great awakening. Um, because as Alyssa Childers is going to talk about in her podcast, if you go and look at her two episodes on Asbury alongside the good things and we're hoping for good things I, I sincerely am with asbury there is going to be the tears there's going to be those that are going to try to take advantage of this moment and try to seize the opportunity and bad things are going to happen so second great awakening charles finney is an example of this revivalism is an example of this to this day it's the effects of that are why every week in every small town in America, there are churches that are going to host revival. They're going to have this dynamic uh, speaker either drive in or or preach locally, and then they're going to brag about how many decisions, how many how many people came down, walked walk the aisle, prayed, prayed a prayer, signed a card. It was an extraordinary revival. 47 people came to Christ. And then nothing changes, right? That's revivalism. And it started with Finney in the Second Great Awakening because he's the guy that started um, the sinner's prayer. He's the guy that that invented the altar call, and they had the anxious The anxious bench, yes. Yeah, they they were carrying people out that were falling out in, in the spirit, things like that. I want you to think about this. Finney comes on the scene in the 1800s. That means there were eight, there was 1,800 years of church history that we can look towards without a sinner's prayer and without an altar call. Right. Right? So for 1,800 years, people were becoming Christians and joining churches and being discipled and being called into ministry in the, in the mission field without a sinner's prayer, without an altar call, without a time of decision, without signing a card. Right? And, and, but it's actually the effects of Finney. Um, that led to the things we're dealing with now, and which is why there there is in the reform camp this level of skepticism. Because even during the first Great Awakening, guys like Charles Hodge and B.B. Warfield landed the Presbyterians landed on the other side of the of this moment because we were worried that Whitfield and Edwards, as sincere as they were, would play too much into the affections of it all. Um, absent of proper doctrine and teaching the truth in love. So you know, we have we have a historical basis for this. I would encourage you, read some church history. Study these movements in the basis of biblical and historical movements and see how God has worked among his people since the beginning. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, thanks. We hope this has been helpful and given you some categories as you think through how we ought to process, how we ought to think through this. Um, no matter what we are saying about this, we need to do it in a way that is charitable, that is loving, right. uh, that hope that hopes for the best uh, for right. for the for Christ and for His church and for uh, for uh, His people. And uh, we, we hope this has been helpful and would love any feedback. Um, right. how, how can folks reach out to us? Yeah, you see, as I mentioned earlier, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter on our pages. You can also, you know, find Scott and I. We're on we're on Facebook uh, and Twitter. Um, Gage Jordan, Scott Davis. We'd love love to to meet you and talk with you. You can also email email us at 
contact at assuranceofpardon.com. You can visit our website uh, and send us messages. Probably the quickest way we will see those is either by messaging us on Facebook individually or by emailing us. We get those directly. Uh, but we will be checking the website on a regular basis and checking checking the socials uh, if you hit us up there. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to dialogue with you. If you've been to Asbury, we'd, we'd love to hear your story. Um, so, so, you know, again, we we don't want to be cynics for cynics' sake, but we do want you to be informed. We do want to try to, try to you know, have caution, test the spirit, be Bereans, root this in, in, in biblical reality. And absolutely, as we, we close, we hope that the spirit would move that people would come to know Jesus, that churches would be filled, um, and that our, our country uh, would know, know Christ. That's that's the, the Great Commission. We're, we're going to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them te- and teaching them all that Jesus commanded. And that's our hope. Amen. All right. And until next time, this is Assurance of Partners. God bless.